the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, when things start falling apart, that's when people realize we need to turn back to our Creator. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Hey, we're picking up again in the study. This is part two. We're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 26 to 30. And I entitled this message, A God of Details. Yes, core church, we desire to be all that we can be. But how many believers are using God's gifts and talents? Like, are you using your gifts and talents? Are you using those to see other people be touched by a God that loves them? and that they can grow in their relationship with Christ. Yeah, Pew Research Center and General Social Survey found a surge of adults leaving Christianity to become atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular. Evidently, it goes on to say, quote, many Christians under 30 are abandoning their faith. At this rate, they say Christianity will drop from a dominant religion in the United States to become a minority by 2045. It said approximately 90% of Americans identified Christians as Christians as early as 1990. That has fallen to 64% by 2020. Yet the number of people in the U.S. who identify as religiously unaffiliated has skyrocketed from 16% in 2007 to 29% in 2020. But they said the current trend could change. How could it change? With economic depression and disaster. I'm like, well, we're headed that way, so maybe they'll come back. Okay, so it's like, because what happens when, you know, when everything's good and you got money in the bank and your wallet's full and you're out just partying and having a good time and everything's fine? Yeah, people just distance themselves from God. Like, I don't need God. Let the world fall apart. Let's see where you are there. Let's all of a sudden things start falling apart around us. And that's kind of where we're heading in this world that has excommunicated God from our own government here. Yes, when things start falling apart, that's when people realize we need to turn back to our creator. But I was just talking with, you know, Pastor Abel and and my son. And it's like we're seeing a resurgence of young people here at Core Church. And it's like, so we're not doing what the poll says to do and dying on the vine. We want to minister to people. We want to see people come into a relationship with Christ. When people say, man, my life is empty. And I'm trying to medicate it with something around me here because I have so much brokenness inside of me. We want to be a place that people can come and not just do their 
religious duty for the day. We want to be a place where people can grow in that relationship with Christ. That's why God put Core Church right here in Los Angeles. We are in a strategic location in this city that's abandoned its own God so that we can shine the light of the God of all mercy and grace here on this broken and suffering people here in this city here where so many things have turned worse in this city not better worse we can be that shelter we can be that refuge for many that have lost their hope i wonder for those of you who have been fellowshipping here for some six months or a year or two years have you considered somehow serving the lord at this place that you could become part of this church that touches so many different lives how can you be a part of making this church a better church in serving the lord because you could be a smiling face for someone that's looking for some kind of life because they're coming from a time of total brokenness yes we live in a city that's lost its soul. We can be part of the remedy instead of part of the problem. But getting back to our text, we see the extravagant job of creating this removable, where it can be taken apart and put back together tabernacle here. First, in the making of these panels for the actual sanctuary. He goes on in verse 15, they start making a series of boards, bars, and sockets to build the infrastructure to hang these panels on. Verse 30 says that it will be done exactly how God instructed Moses on the mountain. Now remember, Moses was there with God alone for 40 days and 40 nights. But maybe the Lord was showing Moses some like 3D images, you know, like holograms or something like, Moses, this is what I want it to look like. Because when we read all these details, maybe you're thinking one thing and someone else is thinking somewhere else. And all of a sudden you got, you know, Godzilla eating Tokyo or something. Who knows what you come up with? But God has probably given him some kind of crazy images because God created the heavens and the earth. He's created everything seen and unseen, creating images or some type of heavenly blueprints for Moses, obviously for God, is not a problem. And again, in verse 3, God makes it very clear that he wanted who? Skilled workmen to do this. Don't come with your empty crumbs. Don't come with your, you know, slack jaw motives. Don't come with, you know, like, yeah, well, I'll serve, but, you know, I'll kind of do it half-heartedly. No. Like you come with all, everything to do the best job possible. God was not going to tolerate the work ethic of many today who the mentality of many today is what's the least amount I can do and still keep my job. You know, no, God didn't have any time for that. Let's not forget Egypt before God totally leveled it and destroyed them for enslaving and killing his people was a world governing empire. The pyramids and the sphinx, the beauty and the glory of Egypt, they're still standing today. And they were built on the backs of Jewish slaves. That's who built those. Now, instead of building a kingdom on the earth for pagans, okay, which they already did for the Egyptians, God's people, he says, now I want you to invest and use all of your gifts and your talents for me. I want you to build the kingdom of God here on this earth, you know, until I come back and take you. 
And it's like, so in verse 33, God instructs him to build a veil in between the two rooms of the sanctuary. So one room was going to be called the holy place, and the other would be called the holy of holies. Again, the main tabernacle was two rooms. The holy place was where the table of showbread would sit. We looked at that last week, along with the golden lampstand and the altar of incense. Then there was the holy of holies, separated by a veil in verse 33. That's where the Ark of the Covenant would sit, housing the Ten Commandments. That's where God will eventually come down and meet with them, as we saw in the picture where the fire was coming down on the one end of the tent. That was the Holy of Holies, and that's where God would meet them. Let's read what it says in Exodus chapter 27. In verse one, it says, and you shall make the altar of acacia wood, five cubits long, five cubits wide, and the altar shall be a square, uh, and its height shall be three cubits, and you shall make its horns on its four corners, and the horns shall be one piece, and you shall overlay it with bronze. He's talking about this altar is where they're going to make the sacrifices in the courtyard, and it's covered with bronze. Now, according to chapter 27, verse Verse 918, the courtyard had this fence around it. So you see the fence around it. That's 150 foot long on each side, 70 foot, 75 foot wide. And it's lined with linen curtains that are seven and a half feet tall, which brings up our point, endowed with wisdom. Let's read here now in chapter 28, verse one. It says, it says, then bring near yourself Aaron and your brother, you know, your brother and his sons with him from among the sons of Israel to minister as a priest to me. So now God's gonna raise up the priesthood. Okay, so he starts with Moses' brother Aaron and his sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. And these are Aaron's sons. Verse two, you shall make holy garments for Aaron and your brother for the glory and for beauty. And you shall speak to all the skillful persons whom I have, again, endowed with the spirit of wisdom. So again, what God is sharing with Moses in private on the mountain God is giving that same vision to the skilled workers so they're seeing the same thing Moses is seeing. Okay, so it says, uh, and they shall make Aaron's garments to consecrate him that he may minister as a priest to me. These are the garments which they shall make, a breast piece and an ephod, a robe and a tunic, a checkered work, a turban and a sash, and they shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother and his sons that they may minister as a priest to me. Now, now God took it like, going big, go big. You're going to dress in these holy garments and it's going to have all this extravagance and everything. And you see many churches today where the pastor, you know, he's dressed to the nines and the congregation dresses to the nines. Now we're in a new covenant now. And it's like, you know, when Jesus taught, you know, he taught with a robe on and, you know, he had sandals and and that was it, you know, and they got away from all this religiosity and everything because it ended up just being dead. Now, there's nothing wrong with coming to church and dressing to the nines. I mean, you want to wear a three-piece suit, wear a three-piece suit, whatever. I personally dress down for church. Now, I've gotten some flack on this, like, Pastor, why don't you dress with a suit? Well, I have a suit, which might be mind-boggling for some of you, but it's like, but it's like, 
like, I, I do have a suit and I wear it for weddings and funerals and what have you. But when I, I come to church, I dress down purposely. Now, again, you want to dress up, you can dress up. You can dress however you want to dress. But that the purpose is I want whoever that walks in these doors. I don't want them to feel weird because like, oh, I'm not dressed up enough to come to church. Listen, you come to church however you want. Come to church in your shorts. That's it. Come to, come to church with bare feet. I don't care. Just come to church. There was a young lady that hit me up in the foyer and she's like, you know, Pastor, I'm just, I'm so sorry. I'm like, what? What? What are you sorry for? She goes, I'm just, I, I just, I just ran out the door this morning because I didn't have time to take a shower. And I just, you know, threw this on. She had a pair of shorts on and a t-shirt, you know. And, and when I was leaving, my mom said, how dare you? How can you go to church looking like that? You should be ashamed of yourself. And so her mother just backed up the dump truck of guilt and just dumped it right on her daughter, you know. So she's in the, in, in the foyer, literally tears in her eyes, crying that she's sorry that she didn't take a shower, curl her hair, you know, the whole thing and, you know, get dressed. And I'm like, can you tell your mom something for me? And she's like, okay. I'm like, tell your mom to look up 1 Samuel 16, 7. And God says he doesn't look on the outside. He looks on the inside. Man looks on the outside, but God looks on the inside. I said, you're just fine. You want to come in your pajamas? I don't care. Just come to church. That's it. Just come, you know. And so I just don't want anyone to feel weird. That's why I dress down some. I mean, it doesn't really matter, you know, but I just, you know, dress however you want to dress. I just want God to do a great work here in the people. But now God elevates Aaron, Moses' brother, and his sons, and he establishes again the priesthood. Now, God had already made him a spokesman for Moses at the time. Remember when Moses was first being called by God? It's like, well, I, don't, I can't really speak. I got a speech impediment. So God allowed Aaron to speak for him at times. But now we have Aaron. He's going to orchestrate the worship and the sacrifice for the sins of the people. Now, Jesus, of course, fulfills the Old Testament priesthood by being our high priest and the ultimate sacrifice for us. Listen what it says in Hebrews 7.22. This is why you ladies are going to love this study going through Hebrews. It's going to be unbelievable. But this is what it says in Hebrews 7.22. Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant, a better covenant. The former priests, on the one hand, they existed in greater numbers. But Jesus, in verse 24, but Jesus, on the other hand, became and continues forever and holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for us. For it was fitting for us to have a, such a high priest, holy innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily like those high priests. What high priests? He's talking about Aaron and his sons and the whole priesthood that came after that to offer up sacrifices first for their own sins and then for the sins of the people because this he did once for all. When Jesus died, it was once for all. They'd have to be an animal sacrifice every week, every day, every five minutes. No, he did it once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men as high priests who are weak, but the word of the oath which come from the law appoints a son 
God's son, made perfect forever. Yes, God appointed Jesus as Lord and Savior forever. Yes, but here in our text was the beginning of what Christ was going to fulfill and what we just read about, he fulfilled it. And because this, he had this position of importance. Now the priests would wear these garments that would be considered holy. And according to chapter 28, verse three, God would enlist skillful people to make them again. But notice again, he said that he endowed them with the spirit of wisdom. He enlightened their minds to exactly what it was supposed to look like. Understand, God never asks us to do anything that he will not enlighten us, empower us to do. So, so many times like, well, I don't know if I can serve the Lord. I don't know. I don't I just don't have the ability that the other sister has or the other brother has. It's like, like wait a second. God will give you what it takes to do the job. He will give you the ability. I love that verse in Ephesians 3.20. It says, now to him who is able to do abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think through the power that works within us. It's like he will give you that ability. I love 2 Corinthians 3, 5. It says, now that we know this, that we are not adequate in ourselves as considering anything is coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is in him. So how many times have you hesitated on doing something? Maybe the Lord lays on your heart to talk to someone. I don't know what I'd say. What if they ask me a question? I don't know how to answer. And then you, you do nothing. Instead of just walking up and saying, look, I don't know what I'm supposed to say but I'm just going to walk up and do it. That's what God is asking you to do, to be stepping out in faith, to say, I want to serve the Lord. I will make myself available. I will do whatever it takes to do, but I want to use my gifts and talents for the Lord. And maybe it's gifts and talents I don't even know I have yet. But again, on the breastplate here in verse 21, they had 12 stones that represented the 12 tribes of Israel had judgment stones in verse 30, a plate of gold saying, holy to the Lord in verse 36. And in verse 41, Moses was to set Aaron and his sons aside to anoint them as priests. Now, listen to what had to happen to these guys just for them to be able to serve. As we read here in Exodus 29, verse one, it says, now this is what you shall do to them. So this is God talking to Moses, the big dog, okay, to consecrate them to minister as priests to me, take one young bull and two rams without blemish and an unleavened bread and unleavened cakes mixed with oil and unleavened wafers spread with oil and you shall make them into a fine wheat flour and you shall put them in one basket and present them in the basket during with the bull and the two rams are going to be offered. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the doorway of the tent and meeting and wash them with water. I mean, Okay, we're just getting into what just as the process is going to have to happen every time before they can even minister to the people. I mean, this is crazy, but it's true. So they were going to enter the priesthood, but they couldn't do so without Moses conducting this solemn service upon them that starts off with them washing themselves. I have to give you a bath here in verse four. He's going to anoint them with oil in verse seven. He's going to, you know, uh, clothe them in verses eight and nine and multiply offerings and sacrifices from verse 10 to verse 28. Listen to what it says in verse 20 here in Exodus 29. It says, and you shall slaughter the ram 
lamb and take some of the blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear and on the lobes of his son's right ears and on their thumbs of their right hand and on the big toe of their right feet and then sprinkle the rest of the blood around the altar. What does all that mean? Okay, well, let's take it apart here real quick. The anointing of sacrificed blood on their right earlobe symbolically represented their ears always being ready to hear the word of God. You know, there was that time in Luke 11, remember the woman was trying to exalt Mary, uh, you know, for bearing Jesus, you know. So here you got a woman, she's listening to Jesus and Jesus is speaking like no other man has ever spoken. He's just belting out some unbelievable Bible study that people have never heard, a study that made so much sense. And and this woman says, blessed is the womb who bore you. Like, bless your mother. You wouldn't be here, okay? And then Jesus responded to her in Luke 11, 28. On the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. It's like, no, no, it's not blessed, you know, let's go pray to Mary now. No, it's like blessed everyone who hears the word of God and obeys it. And you do what it says to do. That's who's going to be blessed. And then they put the blood on their right thumb. On their right thumb, that symbolically represented our hands to do the work of God. At one point, the disciples offered Jesus food. And what did he say in John 4, 34? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Listen, that should be our desire. Yes, we have to work. We have to pay our bills. And man, there was inflation. It's crazy. We have more bills than you could ever imagine. It's like, it's getting harder and harder. But in the midst of all that, we need to put our hands to the work of the Lord. We need to be busy for God in the midst of all this other thing. Yes, God calls us to serve him in what he desires us to accomplish here in the now. Then they put blood on their right big toe. This symbolically represented for them to walk out their faith in a way, in the way of the Lord. Jesus told us to go to all the earth and preach the gospel and make disciples. We're to be lights that shine in this dark world. That is what God has called us to do. Listen, we've got the whole world that comes here. Los Angeles is the second most diverse city on the entire planet. We have more diversity in this city than any other city outside of New York. And the way they're losing population, we might be number one in that. So the point is this. We don't have to go to the whole world. The whole world comes to us. It's like walk out your front door. Start talking to somebody. Yes, God's people, we are called to do this. And look at God's promise to them when they did what he said to do. In chapter 29, verse 45, it says, and I will dwell among the sons of Israel and I will be their God and they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I might dwell with them. I am the Lord their God. See, people will know that we are Christians, not some whack job that the media paints us out to be, CNN, MSNBC, you know, every Christian's like a total nutcase. No, no, we will be people of God and people will know, hey, I don't know what that guy's doing, but man, I know that he follows God and there's something about him that I want. See, that's what God wants us to be. And as we end in chapter 30, God told them to make an altar of incense that will go into the holy place 
And how was that all going to happen? Who was going to pay for all this brand new tabernacle and all of these goods? This church? Who's going to pay for all this? For the people to meet. It says in chapter 30, verse 14, he says, everyone who is numbered from 20 years old and over shall give a contribution to the Lord. The rich shall not pay more than the poor, nor the, the, the poor pay more for the rich. He says, uh, he says, but they shall pay the half shekel when they give you a contribution to the Lord to make an atonement for yourselves. But as we looked at last week, when we were talking about offerings last week, because, you know, I hate to talk about money in this church because it's like, you know, it's like God wants you to give, but he only wants you to give from a willing heart. He doesn't want you to give from some guilt trip. It's all about a willingness. It's when you see, it's like God wanted to establish a church. He wanted to establish a place that the broken, that the downhearted, that the ones that have lost their soul can come to a place and be refurbished, renewed, and refreshed. That's what God wanted. Now, if you see that, then you are to give willingly to the Lord, not grudgingly. Yes, there's a place of refuge that God wants to meet people. He wants those people to be built up. And he wants a place of worship that people can come and get right with God. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also get via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34. 34- 789 Los Angeles, California 90034 Three-star general Michael J. Flynn Head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency Knew all the government's dirty secrets He was one of the most respected generals in the military Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to He understood its funding He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors This set off alarm bells The explosive new documentary Flynn Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.